0: And you can subscribe to Locked on Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and they want to know how. I initially laid out today to be a mailbag podcast, and there's just too much going on for us to do that right now. So there's going to be plenty of time. Look, there's going to be plenty, plenty, plenty of time to get to your questions before the draft, because that's what a lot of the questions are about. There's going to be plenty of time to get to your questions about free agency. We're still about a month away from all of that. So those things for now can wait because there have been some... Things happening. Some, st- and, and in this case, a story reported. Michael Cohen wrote about Cole Madison's future. I've been getting a lot of questions about Cole Madison and what his future is with the Packers in the NFL. So we're going to talk about that to open the show. We're also going to talk about Antonio Brown. We talked about a little bit the, the the situation that the Steelers were in, and and could the Packers get involved? Could they get interested? I think we have to rehash that discussion and perhaps update it given the the, the current context, because perhaps the situations have changed. Now, there is a coach in Green Bay. Now... Uh, we we know a little bit more about how the situation has gone in Pittsburgh and and how willing they might be. We know that Antonio Brown has now officially requested a trade and how that might affect everything that we know about what's going on in this situation. But let's start with Cole Madison because Michael Cohen wrote a piece for the Athletic about where they stand, and it sounds like and you should go read the piece and and you know. Uh, Take in all of the the information that's in that story that that provides some context around what happened, but the speculation around what was was troubling him and the reason he had not reported turns out to be at least what what Michael reported as the case, and that was um, one of the the players on the team with whom Cole was close. Uh, committed suicide, and we found out after the fact that he had CTE. And for those of you that are not familiar with CTE, uh, we have talked about it a little bit on this show, but w- you know we don't have time to get a ton into it uh, right now. But basically, CTE is something that happens uh, over time, and uh, it, it is a potentially degenerative brain issue that comes from constant brain trauma and it is very common in football players and so for those wondering okay this this was a guy who was very interested he was very excited goes through the combine process goes through the draft he seemed very excited in rookie camps and mini camps to be a part of the green bay packers and so the question becomes what changed what changed from rookie camp to training camp and that's, there's about six weeks in there where you get to relax, you get to go home. Well, in that time, we found out that CTE was present in the brain of his former teammate. And so then Cole, who is already young and trying to deal with his professional career and trying to process the loss of his friend... Comes to find out that it's possible and and potentially likely that football is what caused his death. And he takes stock of his life and says, Is this a career I want for myself? There is a a source quoted in the in the piece as saying that 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 is in Cole Madison's mind. He does not use phrasing that I think is is delicate. Uh, as that, and, and it is not, I think, the kind of delicacy that is required in these kinds of situations. His phrasing is that it's in his head, and I, I just I find that to be indelicate. I find it to be insensitive. Uh, this is these are career-altering decisions. This is not something that Cole Madison came to lightly. This is not something that he just made a whimsical decision. He has dedicated his life to something in the pursuit of something. Very few people on earth can say with clarity and confidence and honesty that they spent 22 years in the pursuit of a singular goal in their life. And then to come to the conclusion that perhaps that goal could lead to your death and or has led to the death of others. I think it's pretty reasonable if that conclusion that you come to results in some kind of existential funk if it if it comes to some sort of come to Jesus moment with Cole Madison about his football playing career, it's hard for me to blame him for that. And I don't think anyone from the outside can look at this situation and say, oh, it's a wasted pick. That is so far. It's not even secondary or tertiary. It is so far down the list of things that matter. What you have to hope for is that someone like Cole Madison can get the help that he needs, and he can find the peace that that he seeks because no one should have to bury their friend. That's just fundamental. But then to have to go and watch your friend struggle with something and ultimately feel that, that 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 your friend feels like he has no other way out than than the one that he chose. And then to find out that the reason that could have happened is because of something you've dedicated your life to. Imagine how that might affect you. And think about if you're older than than he is, think about how that might've affected you at 22, at 23. I'm in my thirties and I, I, I struggle to have any sort of clarity on how that would affect me and, and how that would make me feel about the things that I have pursued and the kind of, and the kind of context it would add to my life and the kind of perspective it would give me. He is a young man dealing with serious serious life trauma. I mean trauma. That's what this is in in a, a very specific sense, in a literal sense because, you know, he had to deal with the trauma of uh, losing his friend, but his friend also had to deal with brain trauma. That is what CTE is a result of. Brain trauma and football creates Trauma, And this is the inherent conflict every football fan that, that is willing to engage with this kind of science and this kind of reality must face. CTE is a thing. And we know what it is. We know what it does. We know how it can affect people. Now, we don't know directly the root causes. We don't know how big a contributing factor football is and how to separate people who are prone to depression versus who aren't, and how much football and the pressures of football we can separate from the, the, the literal physical trauma of it all, we don't have those answers. Those answers have to be continued to sought by science, and we may never have clear answers about that. What I am sincerely hoping all of us can do when we look at the Cole Madison situation is not worry about a wasted draft pick is not worry about the position. This puts the Packers in, in terms of, well, they have to fill this roster spot. They do. And it it is going to end up being a, a pick that goes unfulfilled. That is not a priority. And I think if we're being honest about Packers fandom, if you care about the Packers, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. You have to, you have that is between you and and whatever you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, but my hope for anyone that calls him or herself a Packers fan is that they care about the players too, and their well being. And their happiness and and what they have to do just to, just to move on with life. And we don't worry about that, oh, he wallowed, he's sulking. No, he's trying to move on with his life. We all in the face of trauma have to try and do the same. And we are not in a position to, dr- to judge this young man. We aren't. And so I hope for your own sake and for his, that you choose to to reckon with that in a constructive way in a way that is helpful to you and is also helpful to the people around you and him so don't tweet him don't this is this is not this is not time to play tough guy or girl that's not what this is and it's not up to you to make those decisions mental health is unique it is Different person to person, we all deal with these things differently, and it is not for us to say how Cole Madison makes the decisions that he makes professionally, personally, emotionally, spiritually, etc. It's not for us. So I, I, I just I'm I'm I haven't had many negative interactions with fans on Twitter about this, but over the course of the season, there were some, and and because we didn't know all the details. About his absence, I was, I was quicker to let it go. Now that it seems clear what we feared is the truth, I'm hopeful that fans can understand this is what's going on, to be respectful of that and say, okay, let's hope that this kid gets the closure he needs, that the team can, if they, if they can, help him to get that closure, And we can all move forward in a productive, healthy, happy fashion. Before we move on, I want to ask an important favor of you. We'd like your help. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and tell us what you don't like. It should only take about 15 minutes to complete, and by participating, you enter to win a two hundred fifty dollar vivid seats gift card. Just visit lockedonpodcasts.com/slash survey to participate. That's lockdonpodcast.com slash survey. We always appreciate your feedback. So we have to circle back on Antonio Brown because he posted on Twitter yesterday uh, basically a goodbye. It became public that he had officially requested a trade and that means, and, and Pittsburgh has, by all accounts, said we're interested in moving on, and the, the the bidding is open. And I said, I you know, I think it makes football sense. Antonio Brown would make the team better on the field. Is there a fit here culturally? Is there a fit here financially? And what would it cost to get him? All of those things. Well, at least some of those things are not different than they would have been. So when, when Antonio Brown—just just take the financial part of this. When Antonio Brown signed that $68 million contract extension, Brown got $19 million of a signing bonus, which was the guaranteed portion of that contract. So in 2018, Brown gets $6 million of that roster bonus if, if he's on the roster the fifth day of the league year in 2019 there is a $2.5 million roster bonus due on the fifth day of the league year. Brown's cap charge would remain unchanged in 2017 when he signed that contract. This is per pro football talk. So that restructure affects how that guaranteed money works against the cap. His base salary in 2019, Antonio Browns is $12.6 million. His base salary in 2020 is $11.3 million, And his base salary in 2021 is $12.5 million. That's not very much. That's less than Devontae Adams would be getting. So the signing bonus, if they trade him, Pittsburgh has to pay that. The signing bonus comes due when they trade him. So... There isn't that big a difference, actually, between trading and cutting him in terms of the money that they save. Obviously, the difference is uh, they get compensation if they trade him, but that's the only difference. And they're unlikely to be willing to accommodate a trade to the team of his choosing. So the money here is actually not the issue. The money is very reasonable for Antonio Brown. Now, obviously, you're still adding double-digit millions to your your, your payroll. But does it make, let's say, the addition of a pass-catching running back a little less important? Or another pass-catching tight end a little less important? Remember, Antonio Brown still just 30, will turn 31. A lot of Packer fans were upset that the Packers did not keep Jordy Nelson who is older than Antonio Brown is now that Antonio Brown last year led the league in touchdowns, still saw over 160 targets. He has been an all pro for the last half decade. He is still really, really good. The question is not, would he make this team better? He would. The question is not, would he be worth the money? Absolutely. He would be worth the money. The question here is twofold. What is the price and would it make sense culturally? So, because we don't know the price, let's try and assess the cultural impact of this. One of the reasons Antonio Brown wanted out of Pittsburgh was he didn't feel like he was being respected. He didn't feel like he was getting the ball as much as he should, even though he got as many targets in 15 games as he had in in the last season or the previous season. In fact, it was the most targets he'd gotten since 2015. It's just that Juju Smith-Schuster got a bunch of targets too. Now, it would be easy to forgive him for being annoyed with Todd Haley. It seemed like a lot of people in Pittsburgh were annoyed with Todd Haley, but Todd Haley is gone. It would be easy to say he was probably annoyed with Ben Roethlisberger, and that would be one reason why he would want out. Listen, I totally understand that Ben Roethlisberger not the player he used to be is maybe not even close to the player he was in his prime, and if he wants to be on a different team with a different quarterback, it's hard to argue that he's wrong for feeling that way. And Mike Tomlin, you know, for for a lot of the accolades that he earned early in his career about his leadership and and his discipline and all that stuff, it seems pretty obvious that there are multiple players on this team that just don't seem to really care what he has to say, and that is that is interesting, and and, and that have and he, who he has rubbed the wrong way, including Antonio Brown. So now that we know Matt Lafleur is the head coach, a young first-time head coach, does that change the calculation with the culture? That part's hard to know. It really is. But is he going to come in? and wanna be the guy that gets 165 targets again. Is he going to be upset if DeVonte Adams has 10 catches in a game and he only has 6? How does that part of this play out? And those are questions to which we don't have answers. That is something that if any team is trading for him, they're going to have their they're going to have to do their due diligence on that kind of stuff and figure out, okay, where is his head at? Where is his head at? What is his mindset? And what are the reasons why he needs out of Pittsburgh? Because if it's just a well, Juju Smith-Schuster is the ascending number one, then Green Bay is not a fit. It's just not a fit. Now there is this, there's this other issue in all of this discussion, and, and that is whether or not the Packers would actually entertain a trade like this. I think the answer is is pretty pretty clearly no, or at least there's a very 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 low probability that they would. The question is, should they? That's what that's a question we're interrogating here. I think all of that is reliant on cost. What is it going to cost to get Antonio Brown? Because a first round pick is ridiculous. There's just no way uh, the backers can justify giving up a first round pick for Antonio Brown. What if it's a second round pick? I think this is a more interesting discussion. So if if it checks out personality-wise and it sounds like hey listen, he just his time had run its course in Pittsburgh. He really didn't like Ben Roethlisberger because he's kind of a jerk and he saw that that Juju Smith-Schuster was the the rising number one and this team was just not headed in the right direction and so he wants out. If if that's as far as it goes, then you know, maybe maybe you say, okay, a, a second round pick makes sense. Given that you're going to get one of the four or five best receivers in football at a salary well below market for two seasons, in the, in the meantime, that's not a huge price to pay. On the other hand, how much damage can he do to your culture in that time? That has to be the calculation here. My perspective on all of this is Green Bay has two fourth round picks thanks to the Ha-Clinton-Dix trade. They've got two first round picks, a second round pick. I would not be interested in parting with the two firsts and the second. After that, let's have a conversation. I think the Washington fourth rounder makes things very, very interesting. You trade that and maybe another pick. I mean, could you get him for a fourth and a fifth? Could you get him for two fourths? Could you get him for a third and a fourth? If that is the price, then I think it's something Green Bay ought to consider. If he's a problem, you figure it out and you trade him again. If he's a problem, you trade him again. Because once, once Pittsburgh eats the guaranteed money that they're going to have to eat, his contract is imminently tradable. So let's say he comes onto your team and and he's just the worst. Packers are may or may not. I mean, we don't know how this offseason is going to go. They're certainly not going to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They're in year one of a new head coach. There's there's essentially no track record of Super Bowl level success in year one with a new head coach. But there is in year two and year three and, and early on. In fact, recent success that says that can happen. But so let's say six, eight games in. He's just the worst. And he's he's annoyed with not getting the balls. You trade him and let's say year one goes great and they win and and a lot goes right and he's happy. Then you got a a pro bowl caliber season probably out of a player who is still going to be just 31 next season. And then let's say in year two things go wrong and you can trade him again. And who cares if you only get a fourth? Like you're not trying to recoup value. You got the value. He is tradable. Someone will want to trade him. John Gruden will still want to trade for him. He wanted to trade for Martavis Bryant. In fact, did trade for Martavis Bryant. Gave up significant draft capital relative to Bryant's value to get him. If, if the price is right, if it's the Randy Moss price for a disgruntled former All-Pro, then it's worth paying. But given the red flags, given the question marks, it's pretty difficult to, to believe that even a second round pick, unless they just they get sparkling reviews, and he is ready to play ball, and he is ready to be a good teammate, and he's ready to come in and say, "Listen, if I only get four targets one game, I'm I'm gonna I'm just trying to help the team win," which seems highly unlikely. Then I just don't I just don't know that, that it makes sense at that at that price. After that, I though I think you start to to just you owe it to yourself to explore those possibilities. And and if it is a possibility to get him for a third or a fourth or two fourths or a third and a fifth or something like that, then I think the price range is totally reasonable because because you can get out of it. If it doesn't work, you can always get out of it. There's always gonna be a team willing to take a gamble on a player like Antonio Brown. So if you take the gamble first, There is still, even if it doesn't go well, there is still going to be another team out there. The Raiders still exist. The Dolphins still exist. There are still poorly run franchises out there that need receiver help who are still going to be willing to take a player like that off your hands. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss the tight end position. We'll do the off-season report card, talk about the guys that were on the team, the guys that could be on the team, potential draft targets. And if you haven't gone back yesterday, listen to our, uh, our discussion with Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network and, and Locked On NFL Draft. We had a, 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 not a long discussion, but a, an interesting discussion about the tight ends, how he feels about T.J. Hawkinson and this draft class. And so some, some names to look out for. We'll get into them more a little bit tomorrow as we look at the tight end position. And then we'll be back next week. Hopefully to get you more interviews. Uh, We're going to talk a lot more NFL draft as free agency ramps up. We're going to talk about that as well. So continue to send me questions about players. You can do that on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Do it at the podcast at Locked on Packers. Remember to subscribe to this show on iTunes. You can do it on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers. If you subscribe, you're never going to miss a, a podcast because it's going to be right there on your phone. But just in case, like us on Facebook, follow us there, leave a review, leave comments, share a podcast, send us a message, all that opportunities to communicate and be a part of the Lockdown Packers Nation. Do that on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, I promise you next week we will get to your questions. And that means the questions next week will be even better, hopefully. Fingers crossed. You can do that at the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. So you can stay Locked on Packers.